from veg to flowers and all things in between. The best gardening advice online from World Radio Gardening. Ken's Top Gardening Tips will help you get your blossoms beautiful this season. Welcome to the World Radio Gardening Podcast. I'm Ollie Rogers and I'm joined by our wonderful gardening expert, Ken Crowther. Hi, Ken. How are you doing? Oh, I'm all right. Yes, uh, struggling with the weather a bit, but uh, that's um, that's the joys of uh, autumn. Well, that's a good place to kick off with, isn't it? Because it's quite warm at the moment, unusually warm, unseasonally warm. And it's causing things like grass to grow and plants to shoot. So what's your sort of take on that? And is there something gardeners should be doing to stop the shoots? It's, it's actually something that it comes up off and on through different years at different times of the year. You know, people will say, oh, has this cold snap affected so-and-so and has this warm effect? The clever thing about plants is that nature actually sorts itself out generally. Now, I'm saying generally because this year has been incredibly hot. We then went into a very early sort of autumn stage where plants were trying to hang on to living and they actually started to shed leaves and flower and do all sorts of strange things. Now, because we've had some rain, it's as if plants have suddenly got a new lease of life. And you're quite right. It's warm, isn't it? And with that warmth, it's encouraged plants to grow and flower. And I believe you can still see that in trees. A lot of trees have half shed their leaf and then stopped. And it's as if they're sitting there with green leaves. If things like, um, you know, plants that we would normally expect to have run down, gunnera, that's that big leaf looks like rhubarb that you get by ponds that normally would have started to deteriorate this time of the year go a little bit yellow and the the big leaves would start to fall down and you'd remove them and cover the crown same as you would with rhubarb but they're not they're up there still green and looking good so you have to just follow nature and wait there's nothing you can do to stop things actually flowering and continuing so actually, we might see some unusual blooms over the festive period, then, you think? I think you could. And I mean, I always, for years, have been saying never take buds of roses off because they'll flower all the way to Christmas if you let them. And yes, we will see other flowers that are suddenly coming into bloom. Um, you know, I've been to gardens where there are flowers that are you know, just continuing to flower. I went to a garden the other day, it's got hanging baskets of begonias. Now, normally begonias, you'd have outed those and put your winter bedding in the hanging baskets. But, oh, no, the begonias are still flowering. They look gorgeous. We touched on a little bit there around mulching and green manuring. Is that something you recommend doing to keep your soil in your garden? Right. Well, there's two things there. Green manuring you could do at this time of year because unusually warm, as we we're talking about here, um, you can still sow seed of green manure and it will still germinate and come up. You'd normally have to wait for a period of warmth for it to germinate and show green because then you dig it in, you see. Um, we've got 
a sort of open book at the moment because it is so warm. So, yes, you could still do that sort of thing. If not, you wait till spring and do it and then dig it in then. As for manure, I've been doing a lot of digging and a lot of planting, as you might have noticed on some of the podcasts. And, you know, I work with a guy called Bob sometimes, and Bob says, you know, oh, we've had a lovely soaking. The ground will be lovely and wet now. No, it isn't. It was a surprise to him that really the water seems to have gone into about three or so inches in Essex, that is. Now, okay, in Kent, they've had even more. Scotland, they've had more because, you know, with our station, we got people looking at it from all the parts of the country. But in the southeast corner of East Anglia, which is where I've been working, it is really very dry underneath. You don't want to put a mulch on ground until you've got satisfactory amount of water into the ground. Sue in Norwich asks, when would you advise planting tulip bulbs? As Sue knows she needs to crack on with it, now it's autumn. What can you tell Sue then, Ken? Normally, uh, you plant those uh, late October and November. Um, And there's a couple of tricks. Again, (laughs) you can watch one of those podcasts of mine, because the deeper you plant them, the longer they will stay in the ground. Now, that means that you could leave them year on year and plant over the top of them in the summer, leave them there, and they'll re-emerge. Now, the reason you do that is because the ground lower down, it will stay cooler through the summer period. It might not have done this year, but it normally would stay cooler. And tulips like to be cool through that summer period to make them emerge next spring. So the answer is yes, plant now. If they're going to stay in the ground, plant them nice and deep. And I mean about nine inches, the depth of a spade at least down, if you want to leave them in that same position. If not, plant them at three times the depth of the actual size of the bulb. However, a few years ago, experimenting with uh, tulips, I um, gave several people tulips, little boxes of tulips at Christmas. And they all said, you're balmy. You can't plant them now. They won't flower. Yes, they do. You can still plant them all the way to Christmas and they will flower. The best gardening experts from around the globe are here to help you. Watch our YouTube channel. Search online for World Radio Gardening. So let's move on to a question from Julia in Letchworth. If there are lots of leaves on my lawn, do I have to remove them? 
people hate removing limbs off their lawn because they think it's the end of the season, it's autumn, everything's finished. You said earlier, people are still cutting their grass. Yes, they are. And the worst thing you can do at this moment is, because I would think even across the whole of the UK, grass is still growing if you look at the temperatures across the country. And leaves will sit on top, and what you'll get is rots and mildews working their way underneath that warm blanket of leaf. So the important thing is, yes, it's so important to get rid of it. If not, you'll end up with things like fusarium and all sorts of diseases that we have struggled to get rid of these days. So rake them off or blow them off if you've got a blower. I know lots of people hate blowers, but they do actually do a good job. Um, or rake them off and use them as compost because they're great composts. Leaves are great. If you want to make leaf mold, put them in a black bag, tie the bag up and just puncture a few holes in them and forget about them for a year. And I'll tell you what, they'll rot down to beautiful leaf mold. I have a real problem with acorns on my lawn. I think everybody they're, they're a bit too yeah, they're a bit too hard and woody to kind of chop up with the mower. Is there a secret or have you just got to rake them up? It's interesting you say that because we thought we used um we use Hater Harrier mowers and we also always thought that they'd pick the acorns up with the leaf. And lo and behold, this year they have not picked up an acorn hardly. They do pick up some, but not enough. The average rotary mower will not collect acorns. And, of course, this year, because, again, the dry summer, plants react, as I said, they, they, they panic, and therefore that you get a high amount of fruit. And basically an acorn is a fruit to us. Well, it's a seed. Um, the plant is trying to regenerate. And so it's dropped hundreds. And, yes, I mean, I've had piles of acorns, and the only way I've done it is, honestly, I hate to say it, is get out there with a plastic rake and rake them up. And it is a very tedious job, but quite necessary. Vegetable question now from Ben in Littlehampton. I have so many carrots in my veg plot and I don't want them where they are as I need to change the design and dig it over. Are they worth keeping? And if so, how? Well, you've always got to keep carrots. And in fact, um, you should never waste vegetable i hate wasting vegetable and veg plots but i would suggest that what you do is it's a bit old-fashioned but if you've got a shed or a, or a, a garage just get um some sand it's as simple as that sharp sand and you basically dig all your carrots and you just lay them in boxes cover them in moist sand and then you use them right through the winter period it's one of the great ways of actually keeping carrot. The only other alternative, obviously, is to cook them and then freeze them, but they don't come out very nice. They go a bit mashy. So I think store them in sand. It's the best way. However, if you've got a cat, do watch out. Keep the cat out of the sandbox because they'll know what it, they think it is. I remember seeing Harry Dodson on uh, Victorian kitchen garden <laughs> storing carrots like that. So uh, I think it's, it's a, traditional. a, a time-honoured tradition. tradition. Yeah. yeah. Moving on to Sarah from Burton-on-Trent. I have a new house with a limestone-paved back garden, and it's gone mossy. This is a perennial problem with lots of people's block-paving drives. 
and is also green. How can she clean it up? Now, it is quite tricky because um, limestone is a natural stone. It's not like, and you quite rightly say, there's lots of other paving materials, but you need to be a bit more careful with limestone. If it's gone green, there's a lot of um, cleaners that you can use, but some of them you have to read very carefully the, the, the size of the bottles or jars or whatever you're buying because some of them you cannot use on limestone because what it will do, it will eat away at the stone surface. And you have to be very, very careful indeed. Jet washing will get rid of it. And there are some quite safe ways. If you go to a garden centre, you can pick up, I think Patio Magic is safe to use on limestone. But some of them, definitely be careful, do not use it. One of the things I've used in the past is something you get for um, uh, paving is actually, I think you get them in tile shops. And it sounds a bit laborious, but it depends on how big your patio is. But it, it's basically like a scrubbing brush, but it's, it's, it's a nylon brush and it, it's very fine. It's a bit like a Brillo pad, but not as coarse. And that with a bit of soapy water, you, um, you can bring your paving up beautifully. Might be hard work, pressure washers quicker. And some of the pressure washers have now got brushes that you can use that include soap. But again, read the labels very carefully because limestone needs to be carefully looked at. It's a natural stone and just remember that. Mark from Doncaster writes, my grass has so many large thistles in it. Can I use a weed killer on the lawn at this time of year? And should I use a fertiliser now as well? That's quite a good one because, yes, weeds. we talked about everything growing, isn't it? And weeds are growing faster mm. than the grass, I think. Um, the answer is, in theory, you would not be using a... Now, remember, it's got to be a lawn weed killer, not just a weed killer. It's got to be a lawn one. I would, because things are still growing, I would actually risk using a ready-to-use, handheld one, um, if you can get one from a garden centre, and I would spray on the thistles to get rid of them. I think there's enough warmth in the ground, there's enough moisture around that actually it could work. Now, don't be impatient because it will take time to work at this time of the year because, remember, things are slowing down because, yes, it's autumn, and the weed killer you put on it has got to go all the way down to the roots, so it will take time. Fertiliser, he's asking, should he fertilise? The answer is, again, yes. It's a fertiliser that people hardly ever like using because it doesn't green your lawn straight away. It's an autumn fertiliser that you're encouraged to use at this time of year, but you can't really see a result. So you think to yourself, why do I waste my money? Well, actually, they're, they're designed to strengthen the roots of the grass and encourage basal growth. Now, that is really important with grass because grass is, let's face it, it's just the same as any other plant. Now, a lot of plants we cut back to encourage growth from the base, and this does the same job. It encourages the roots to grow, encourages the base of the grass to grow, and, and gets it through the winter and all ready to kick off in the spring. So if you can afford it, definitely put an autumn fertiliser on your lawn. Where do you stand on glyphosate and Roundup? Personally, we have not much in our arsenal to kill weeds anywhere. Um, 
so I still use glyphosate. Um, it's still available in the UK and it is still under license in the UK. I personally believe that the license will end up being revoked. I'm sure it will in the next few years. And I actually don't know what we're going to do then because there aren't many really good weed killers that will get the root to the root to kill it. France, for instance, where it's disappeared, uses steam a lot on public pathways, etc. Um, but, you know, are we going to go down that route? I've tried in the past. We've used flame guns to kill weeds. Yes, you can knock them off very quickly, but they often come back, believe it or not. I think I'm not looking forward to the time when Roundup disappears. I believe that we have to go by the government and the, you know, the, the checking that goes on with products that go on to the gardening market is a pretty severe check. And I believe if they're doing their job properly, as I believe they are, we have to go by what they say. Turning to Timothy from Walton on the Nays, he bought an apple tree last year in autumn. It never produced any growth or leaves. And he hopes it'll grow next year as it wasn't a cheap purchase. So any advice for him, Ken? Yeah, I'd go back to the person he bought it from and say exactly what he said to me. I would say I bought it in the autumn or the winter. It hasn't produced any buds. Um, I would also suggest it's worth looking to see if there's any green. Now, what you do is you scrape the bark with a knife gently. If it's green and white, and soft underneath in theory it's still alive but if it hasn't budded for a whole year i'd class it as nearly dead and i would definitely get on to the person who supplied it because i don't think we do that enough and i i think a grower or a supplier should know if some of their things that they're growing are a problem because then they can alleviate that problem in the future and if you've got trees in the wrong place in your garden, we're entering a period now when actually might be the time to transplant them and move them to a better area because it's going to be damper, it's going to be wetter, and you need that sort of wet soil for, for the trees. Is that right? That's right. And I think, again, southeast where where I do most of my work is still very dry underneath. I'm leaving it till possibly closer to Christmas or even the other side of Christmas. Depending on where you are, depending on where the soil is, if you dig down, uh, say, a spade depth and you're still damp, it will be a great time to, yes, get out a tree. Um, I wouldn't suggest moving trees that are much older than five years because you'll damage so much of the root unless you're using a company with a proper tree remover. In your house, you plant trees that are five to six foot high, a lot of people. And within a couple of years, you're saying, do you know, just what you said, in the wrong place. It'd be much nicer if it was farther down the garden or in that corner. Yes, do it. But do it when the soil is lovely and moist and all the leaves have dropped off the tree. So we know that the plant is dormant. It's really important. And see that you stake it as well if you're moving a tree. One final question, and I suppose it has to be a Christmassy one. June from Romford asks, she has a poinsettia from last year, which is now very big. 
how does she get the leaves to go red again in time for Santa's visit? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I've got great views of my you know, my views on poinsettias is they are for Christmas. So come January, you put them in the bin. <laughs> I know that's a bit alarming because she's trying to grow it on. But seriously, um, it's a lot of fuss. You have to put it in darkness for about uh, 14 to 16 weeks, which means you get a black bag. You tie it into a black bag, put it in a cupboard over, overnight. So, in fact, you're lengthening, you're trying to give it about, 15 hours for about seven or eight weeks you're going to keep giving it lots of darkness overnight so you're leaving it in darkness for long periods and then eventually this poor plant that you've put in a black bag over overnight to give it a long period of darkness will eventually go red some of the newer varieties of poinsettias go red on their own. She might have had one of those and not realised it. And it will start to turn during the month of November. You'll get a redness. It's not the leaves, actually, because the leaves, in fact, the bit that goes red, is, in fact, is, a, is the bract of the flower that goes red. But a lot of the time, they will do that on their own. Is it similar to forcing rhubarb? Because they do that at this time it of is. the year. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And in fact, you you could, you know, you mentioned, we talked about um, gunnera and rhubarb right at the beginning of our chat. And in fact, something you can do at this time of year, when the leaf has gone, you can actually cover rhubarb crowns. That's, you know, where all the base of the stems are, the root of it. And you can put, my dad used to put old buckets over it with straw stuffed up it. And what happens is, because it's warm, the early uh, shoots will come up. They'll be very pink, just like you see in uh, in uh, in your supermarkets and greengrocers. But you'll get shoots of rhubarb that you can eat very, very early on, and that's how a lot of rhubarb is grown. There's the there's the near, in Yorkshire, isn't it? There's the rhubarb triangle, which is where they grow them under cover, and that's why they do it. You grow them under cover, you get these lovely pink stems. You can get good value. You get good money for early rhubarb, and that's really what it's all about. Well, thank you very much, Ken. It's been a pleasure to talk to you on this podcast. If you'd like to get a question to Ken, then you can send it into post at worldradiogardening.com. Post at worldradiogardening.com. In fact, we didn't send an email address enough, did we, Ken? So <laughs> We didn't indeed. From veg to flowers and all things in between. The best gardening advice online from World Radio Gardening. Ken's top gardening tips will help you get your blossoms beautiful this season.